Great job, band. Great job, team, this morning serving us. Really, really sounding good, looking good. Church, you are looking fantastic today. You really, really are. Um, so I'm going to, I've got the privilege of being able to share with you uh, today. Really looking forward to being able to share um, a message with you today. And if you were here last Sunday, um, Paul preached a message about living Jesus-centered, which is the first part of a five sort of pronged um, approach, sort of this five elements of our vision. If you've been in our church for quite some time, you've probably, be, you've probably heard Paul and Sarah and the team talk about this vision, this picture of trees planted beside a river. And those trees go as far as the eye can see. Those trees look healthy. Those trees look, they are flourishing. And that river represents Jesus. If we are planted beside the river, we will flourish as far as the eye can see. That's the picture. That is the vision. Um, and at the beginning of this year, if you're here on Vision Sunday, Paul sort of kind of added to that with a focus for the year. Our 2023 focus is renewal. This key word for our year is renewal. And last Sunday, Paul talked about being Jesus-centered, which is the first element. I don't know if we can get all five elements up there, Jack, those five things here, Jesus-centered, broad, far-reaching, together. Today, we're talking about being rooted. And there's a tagline there, by helping you to build resilience. So my job in the next 30 minutes is to try and help you build resilience, if that's okay. Um, I think about resilience and... I was, trying, I was talking to Steph over dinner last night. I was like, when have I been resilient? And she said, well, you've been resilient you know, most of your life. But she talked about, and she mentioned, reminding me that I'd run a marathon. If anyone else has run, um, I've run quite a bit. But running 26.2 miles was a big step up for me. And I've run one marathon in my life. And I've run half marathons. I've, I've run many of them. But a few years ago, I ran a full marathon. So double the distance that I was used to running. And because, I don't know, whether it was the excitement of it, whether I got a bit too cocky, it was just the excitement. We start at the uh, Stoke City Stadium, you know, everybody's there. And I'm running, you know, it's like, wow, it's, this is so good. And, I, you know, I was running at a pace that I should not have been running at. I was too far ahead because I'm a good runner, but I'm not a brilliant, you know, I'm not an elite runner. By 13.1 miles, I was feeling okay. I'm used to that distance. You might be thinking, whoa, that's a long distance. For me, I can do that distance. I have to also add a disclaimer. In training, you should never do this. If you're training for a marathon, you should, you should, uh, you should probably run somewhere near 26.1 miles at least once. The furthest distance I had ran was 18 so I got to 17 miles and I could start to feel the pain. 18 miles, I could really feel the pain. 20 miles, it's official. I hit the proverbial wall. It is a real thing. The wall for me was a lamppost and I was going no further than that lamppost. And I didn't for a while. I stopped. I, you know, I'm a runner. And I, I just, I was in my head. I, I thought, I cannot go any further. I've got 6.2 miles left. I can go no further. So I started walking to the next lamppost or limping. And then you sort of get to the lamppost, you're stretching. There's, there's people around and it's like a bit embarrassing as well. 
So you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And if anyone's ever done, and they don't do it so often now, but the, 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 the full marathon goes through Penkel and it's quite high up and the finish line is the Stoke City Stadium. So when you're up high, you, I, at one point I caught a glimpse of the finish. I could see the stadium. And if you've been to that sort of area of Stoke, some of the banks are pretty steep. And fortunately, we were going down one. And I just saw the, this, after, after people kind of handed me jelly babies and hosed my legs down and kind of had a, had a nap or whatever, I saw this, this really steep down hill and I just thought, this is my moment. I'm going to run and I'm not going to stop. And I didn't. I didn't stop until I got to the finish line. And thank God for Staffordshire University physiotherapy students in training. At the finish line, they had an emergency tent. And there they were, these staff uni students, 18 years old or whatever they were. And they were kind of beating the living daylights out of your legs and it saved my life. <laughs> I was resilient. And if you're not sure what resilient is, because there was a point in my life, I was like, I don't really know what that actually means. Steph described it as bounce back ability. I like that. How bounce-backable are you? <laughs> Can you bounce back? I've got a character. There's many I could have chosen from. But I've been reading a book recently, so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd delve into a story of a character in the Bible who actually wrote one of the books of the Bible, who, you, who I wasn't familiar with, really. You might not be that familiar with. Um, the, the, the Bible character is Jeremiah. The author is Eugene Peterson. If you've ever read the message paraphrase of the Bible and how poetic and how kind of you know, how he writes. His, and, and this book called Running with the Horses is a great read. I'm not doing a book promo. What I'm doing is sort of, at, at the beginning of my message, just kind of disclaiming that a lot of what I'm about to say is inspired by Eugene Peterson. So it's a great book to read. Um, but Jeremiah, a prophet, a priest, and is a Jewish priest called by God to be a prophet to Israel and to the nations. In that time of history, we're talking history, not story. We're talking history in, the, in, the, in, that, in that part of the world. Um, the Israelites were rebellious. The people of God were worshipping pagan idols. They were involved in cults, cultic worship. And dare I even say it, they went as far, some of them, as engaging in child sacrifice for their pagan gods. They were living not good. They were living in disobedience to God. In fact, the leaders, the kings, the people who are in authority, they were neglecting the, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, the vulnerable, the child. They were neglecting the most vulnerable in society. But the temple was there. It's okay. The church is there. So they would go to temple on a Sunday or whatever day they would go. It wouldn't be a Sunday. But they would go and do the religious thing, tick all the right boxes, look on the outside like they were doing well. But outside they were living in complete disobedience to God. And this, to put it quite bluntly, disgusted God. Their behavior was wrong. So God raised up a nation, a king, Nebuchadnezzar, the, the, the ruler of, of Babylon, to effectively, if you, if you know sort of the history of the Bible, the Jewish people were taken into exile. They were kind of devastated by the armies of Babylon, destroyed, completely wiped out. And the survivors were sent to Babylon in exile, predicted by Jeremiah for 70 years. So Jeremiah comes in the context of this. And I think he had to be quite resilient because his message, as you could imagine, his message was change your ways. Otherwise, there's going to be big consequences. But the people did not want to listen. In fact, they imprisoned him. They sent him death threats. There was plots for his life. He was even kidnapped and sent to Egypt. So in order for him to keep saying the same thing 
and if you read Jeremiah, it's actually the longest. In terms of word count, it's the longest book in the Bible, I think. In terms of in the original language, it's the most words. Of course, Psalms has more chapters and is, is perhaps more in terms of pages in your Bible. But in terms of words, I believe Jeremiah is the longest. So it's a resilient read. If you need some resilience in your Bible reading, Jeremiah might not be the place to start. But what's great about Jeremiah, it has all this stuff, but it also has loads of sort of insight into the life of Jeremiah. Hence, Eugene Peterson writes a book about the life of Jeremiah. I'm not really going to go into that as such, but what I am going to do is read a few verses from Jeremiah, starting today in in chapter 17, verse 5. And I'm going to have some audience participation, (laughs) just because I like to be different every now and then. Don't worry, it's not too hard. All you need to do is when on that screen, because there's there's one word that stands out to me, I've highlighted it in my notes, and it appears, I think, six times in in these few verses. When, I, when you see that word, just say it with me. So audience participation, I'll give you the clue. The word is in. So after three, one, two, three. Easy, easy peasy. Here we go. Verse five, Jeremiah 17. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness, in an uninhabited salty land. (laughs) You don't have to read it all, but you can if you want. But blessed are those who trust the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots. Just get this imagery into your head, by the way, linking it with Paul and, and kind of the vision of this church. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. (laughs) Such trees, think of our vision as a church, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. They're resilient people. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Wow, Jeremiah, how did you know what we'd have in 2023 as our vision for for our church? So today, if you like titles, if you like making notes, um, today's title is Rooted and resilient. Nice and simple. Rooted and resilient. So we're going to look at how can I be rooted in God and resilient in hard times. We've all got hard times. I've had hard times in my life. You might be going through something right now. Ask somebody in Turkey or Syria right now, you know, with with the earthquakes that have taken place, life is hard. There is evil and suffering and, and dark things everywhere that we look. So the first thing, and every point I've got three, has the word in, in it, just to help you. So hopefully you understand that rooted in is important today. So the first one is this, if you're thinking, how do I stay resilient? How do I be like Jeremiah? How do I be like loads of the Bible characters? How do I be like so many of you actually, you've endured the difficult times that you've been through. How do I do that? First point, God is in control. God is in control control. Dare I even say it, God is in control in Turkey and Syria. As crazy as that sounds, it just seems so big and so scary and so horrible. But God is in control. Doesn't mean he likes it, but he's in control. How did Jeremiah stay rooted and resilient despite all the opposition around him? He was even in the middle of, so Babylon came in and destroyed a whole bunch of stuff and exiled a load of people. Jeremiah stayed put. He was in a war zone. He was in a completely deprived environment. 
How did he stay true to God? Jeremiah 1, let's go right back to the beginning of Jeremiah 1. Verse 11 says this. Maybe I need to just introduce this. with a, uh, th- these, these are visions that God gave Jeremiah. These are pictures. This is what it says. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? Paul's talked earlier about what do you, you know, seeing. What do you see, Jeremiah? Do you see God? I see the branch of an almond tree. I, or almond, almond, almond. <laughs> potato, potato. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly. So that must mean you can see incorrectly. But anyway, um, for I am watching. Remember that word, watching. To see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. This is like in the sort of, um, sort of form, formative years of Jeremiah. God is preparing him for something big. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It's tilted towards us from the north, which is in reference to Babylon in the north. They're about to come and do a whole load of destruction. Babylon, this superpower of its day, are coming, and Jeremiah sees it in the form of this bubbling pot. That is the context. And these are specific visions for Jeremiah. And I'm not saying that they're specific visions that you should have potentially, but there's some encouragement in them. First of all, the almond tree, or the almond tree. I've not really ever looked at an almond tree. I've only ever ate almonds. I think we've got a little visual, Jack, haven't we? Yeah, so it produces blossom in, in very early spring, maybe even when it's still cold, just before spring. Um, and then, you know, the nuts grow on the trees. I didn't know that, but that's, there's an almond tree for you if, you if you wanted to know that. But what's really, really interesting, and this comes out in this book by Eugene Peterson, is that the word almond or almond is very, very, very similar in the original language to the word watching. So the encouragement I get from that, despite all the boiling water, despite all the earthquakes, despite all the devastation, God is watching. God is watching over his word to ensure that his promises are true no matter what you are facing today. No matter what difficulty that you are facing, God is watching God is in control. He is faithful. And this second visual, I wanted to give you the visual because I wanted this to be, especially for visual learners, But because it is for, for Jeremiah, it's very visual. Every time for the rest of his life that he saw blossom, he'd remember that God is watching. Every time that he saw the next image, Jack, of a boiling pot, it wouldn't have looked like this. This is like someone's stove. But you know what? You get the idea. Boiling water. And we look at our world and we think, wow, there's a whole lot of heat. There's a whole lot of boiling stuff that I don't want to go anywhere near. And what Eugene Peterson talks about in this book is that we can get quite overwhelmed by the amount of suffering in our world. But that boiling water, that suffering is contained. It's not everywhere. The evil isn't everywhere it's contained. It's got a beginning and an end. You can name it. You can, you can point it out. You can identify it. But it's not consuming me. It's not controlling me. It's not taking over. It's not destroying us. It is contained. It is God is in control. God is in control. So for whatever you're going through, don't let it intimidate you. Don't let the boiling water intimidate you and consume you. God is working for God. 
He can even use the darkest, worst suffering for good. Just look at Jesus. He died on a cross and look at all the good that came from the very central thing that happened in our faith. It's a little bit like, I've used this illustration before, but it's a little bit like we're like eggs. And we're fragile, aren't we? Don't drop an egg because you make a load of mess. And, you know, life can be hard. But if you put that egg into some pressure, apply some heat to that egg, turn it up, allow the, the difficult times to take place around that egg. What happens to the egg? The egg keeps its shape. It becomes hard-boiled. It becomes resilient. You can take that egg out. The shell might crack. You might peel the shell away. The outside is wasting away. We're getting older. We're weak. We're not perfect. But the inside remains and keeps its shape and stays rooted and stays resilient. So no matter how much boiling water, no matter how much difficult times that you are going through, God might just be <laughs> this sounds really bad. It's not boiling you. But an egg can illustrate that even under extreme pressure, even under extreme pain, even under extreme circumstances, you can come out and keep your shape and stay rooted and stay resilient. Suffering may damage the outside, but it cannot touch the inside. In is important today. Rooted in. No matter what happens to my flesh, no matter how many legs I lose or eyes that fall out and hair that falls out, I, nothing will touch what is inside of me. Thank God that God is in control. That's number one. Secondly, God is in you. God is in you. Let's read a, a very, it's probably one of the more famous passages in Jeremiah 1. Verse 4 says, The word of the Lord came to me before I formed you in the womb. I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is Jeremiah. Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. I'm unqualified. I'm too shy. I'm too ill. I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I'm too uneducated, I'm too whatever. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send to you, send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. I will rescue you. You could say, I'm not rewriting the Bible, but it could say at the very end there, I am in you. I am in you. And I will rescue you. God appointed you, just like Jeremiah. Therefore, he will equip you with all that you need. God is in control, but he's also in you. Even though you have weaknesses, your shell might crack from time to time. But he is in you and will help you. You have what it takes to be resilient and rooted. You have what it takes to get through your current circumstance. God is in you and he's put it in you. And just to bring it into the New Testament, Romans 5, verse 3 says, and this is a whole other level. If you're going through some tough times, this is what it says at the beginning. Don't just endure and be resilient, but rejoice. Rejoice. We can. You've got permission. You're going through a tough time, but you can. I'm giving you permission. You're allowed. You can rejoice. You can still smile. You can. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop 
endurance or resilience and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment it will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly this is what Paul was saying earlier this is how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love that's the NLT version the the NKJV the New King James describes the last verses now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit God is in you many of you know this but I'm reminding you and trying to remind you about 57 times God is in you question is what has God been doing in you since before you were even put together in your mother's womb. Have you ever thought about what God was doing in you before you were even in your own mother's womb? Think of the potential. Think of the untapped into resource that you don't yet even know that you've got in you. You think that this, this whatever you're going through is going to consume you. But did you realize what God was putting in you in that moment before you were even born, in, the, in those years before you were even born? God was doing something in you underground, unseen, even invisible, and your, even your troubles are building resilience in you. So God is in control. God is in you. Finally, you are in God's plan. You are in. Whatever you are going through is not pointless. It's not surprising God. Paul was saying last week, God's not worried about you. He's in control. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for your life. And you are center of the plan for his life. In fact, Jesus is the center, but you are with him centrally in the plan that God has for you. So despite suffering and all the stuff that was going on in Jeremiah's time, there is hope. There is always hope. There is always hope. Hope, right. So if you were writing a book, it's 52 chapters long. I think it is the longest in terms of word count book in the Bible. And if you were an author at that time, maybe a modern day author, I don't know if we have any authors in the room, but often what would happen is the most important piece of information will be slap bang in the middle of a book. So what's in the middle of Jeremiah's book? What's in the middle? Do you not know? Let me read it to you. Jeremiah 3, sorry, Jeremiah 31, verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say one to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness. Wow. Even all that horrible stuff they were doing. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Isn't that amazing? Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Jeremiah was writing and prophesying about the coming Jesus. 
the new covenant, which if you know about Jesus, Jesus died and rose again and he ushered in this new covenant, this new way of living, this new law, this new um, agreement and sort of contract between God and, 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 and humanity. Jesus was the one, whereas Jeremiah saw it happen before it happened. Isn't that amazing? Jesus would die to bring about the forgiveness that Jeremiah anticipated. Wow. So the key thing there is Jeremiah's life had purpose way beyond the now. And I've got a message for some you in the room and online. Your life. God has a plan for your life that doesn't just impact now. It impacts forever. God has an eternal plan for you. You are part of God's eternal plan for you. Jeremiah, Paul's, Jesus' lives had eternal significance, significance, even their suffering and difficult times. God has a plan for you, and you are in God's plan for you. He wants you to be rooted in him. You can produce fruit for others. So think about those trees besides, well actually just think about any tree, but specifically those trees beside the river. Trees don't eat fruit, do they? That would be really weird. I'd imagine the belly there in the trunk, in the, is that the trunk? Yeah. And then eating it branches in, but that would be a weird image. That's not reality. Trees produce fruit for others. So the fruit that Jeremiah, the very first verse that I, I read to you, fruit that never, you will be trees that never stop producing fruit. Not necessarily for you, but for others. Imagine what you can do. If you are rooted in God today, imagine what your fruit could be 10, 20, 100, 10,000 years from now. I don't know. It's hard to even imagine. But your fruit and your difference and your significance and your purpose lasts even beyond your, your actual earthly life. Your, even your pain has a purpose. Even your pain has a purpose. It's not pointless. Your pain has a purpose. I'm using lots of peas because in a minute I'm setting myself up for some more peas. But your pain has purpose. We're zeroing in towards the end. Let's jump, let's, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is, these are the words of Paul. So another guy, another great hero of our faith who was resilient, who despite great opposition, despite great persecution, being shipwrecked, going through, having sort of enduring a thorn in his flesh, which we don't quite know what, what that was all about, but he had a lot of stuff to deal with in his life. He writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. 16. And here's a message, jumping back to the first song that we sang, I think. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Resilient, rooted people, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Our shell is crumbling a little bit. Our hair's getting gray and falling out and we're getting older. That's just how life is. Yet, inwardly, we, here's a key word for the year, 
we are being renewed inside of you right now and has been since you have been formed in your own mother's womb you are being renewed day by day by day and that's what it says renewed day by day and this next verse is hard to say given kind of what people are going through in our world right now Ukraine Turkey Syria many other places like it it's quite hard to say this because I don't want to make light of what people are going through and what you're going through. But it says here, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So no matter what you are going through, your troubles are achieving something that far outweighs those problems. So how do we do that? We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We can so often think about, we just watch the news, I can see the destruction. I look at my bank account, I can see the red. I look at my health, I can see the x-ray or the scan. I can see that. But God says, look at what is unseen. You, you haven't seen what I was doing in your mother's womb before you were even born. Do you realize what I was doing in your womb, in your mother's womb? Do you realize how much potential, how much gift, how much untapped resource is in you? You can be rooted. You can be resilient. There is so much in you if you just look at what is unseen. Do you see what you can't see? It sounds contradictory, but what is unseen is eternal. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Your roots are hidden. That's the nature of roots. They are hidden. But God wants you to see what is happening underground, beneath the surface. He wants you to tap into that and work on your roots so that you will, to quote Jeremiah, never stop producing fruit. And just to finish, I'll pray in a moment, but just to finish, you might be thinking, how do I do that? How do I see what is invisible? Well, I just have to go back to Jeremiah. Go back to those images of the blossom, images of the boiling water. How do I see what is unseen? There's only one way. There's only one answer. There was actually, well, I've got three. They all begin with a P. Prayer. Praise and worship. Personal devotion. I could say this. Personal prayer. Or private prayer private praise and worship because it's all well and good joining with us singing on a Sunday and it's great we should continue to do that until the day we die but we can like the Israelites were doing in Jeremiah's time you can fake it until you make it you can come to church and look good and then go out and do all sorts of stuff so private prayer private praise and private devotion to God ask God it might not be blossom it might not be a boiling pot, but ask God to give you a specific vision 
for your life. A picture, a promise, a word, a scripture. Somebody in the room might be able to help you with that. There'll be people over here to pray with you at the end of, but it's not on them, it's on you. Go to God. Prayer, praise, private devotion. Trust him even when you feel weak, too young. I'll just give one final testimony really quick. For, for a number, going, thinking about that private sort of vision, that picture, for me, just to give you a personal testimony to maybe help you understand maybe your private personal vision. For a long, long time, I was drawn to the, John the Baptist in the Bible, and it, and it says of John the Baptist that he's a voice in the wilderness declaring the way for the Lord. And I felt my personal thing was God wants me to be a voice. I am a voice. If anyone knows my childhood or my teenage years, I was shy. I would have never spoken like this. This, me on stage today is a miracle. So my personal blossom, boiling pot, was a voice. What's yours? Let me pray for you and we'll worship God. And we'll take him at his word. Because he's watching over it like an almond tree. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this church. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Jeremiah. We thank you, God, for the example of some great warriors and great heroes of the faith in this room right now. We thank you, God, that you're doing something in our lives, unseen, even before we were born in our own mother's womb. You were putting something in us. And Lord, I pray for the church. I pray for the people. I pray for myself, God that whatever we are going through right now, that we would know without a shadow of a doubt that you are in control. And God, I pray that we'd also know without a shadow of a doubt because we experience and feel it and know it every day that you are in us. And God, I pray that you'd reveal your plan because we are in your plan and I pray for the church I pray God for people going through some stuff God I pray God that they would have the confidence to speak up and share and talk with someone and Lord God I pray God that more than that perhaps everybody in this room would want to go home today and privately pray privately praise and privately devote themselves to your word to your bible and to you Jesus amen